Hi, I'm Katie Kemker, and I'm an alcoholic. Katie. I want to thank my jaywalkers for being here and for all your support. Love you guys. <laughs> thank you, Austin, for asking me out today. And for the uh, entire crew that put this together, I know it's a labor of love to put a conference together, so thank you for your service. I messaged my sponsor before, um, and she, I said, you know, how do I want to get through these nerves? And she said, just remember, you're talking to a bunch of drunks. <laughs> and number two, she said, find a newcomer. Lauren, 15 days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to you, baby. <laughs> My sobriety date is 12-2012, and uh, just a few days before that date, I'm in a home uh, with a person in psychosis, and I've got an ankle monitor on, and I run out of that place bloody, broken, and just wanting to die. Absolutely broken. And a few days later, I say that I was apprehended by Grace, which is also Sacramento County Jail, <laughs> Sheriff's Department. And it was really Grace, because every single time that I had had inter interactions with the police before, it was never like that. It was always, uh, you know, pulling me out of the car by my hair, throwing me on the ground and guns drawn and stuff like that, for very good reasons, which I might get to later. But this time was really weird. Um, they were asking me uh, if the handcuffs were too tight and um, that they really didn't want to have to take me there. And, um, and I remember arriving over there, and uh, you know it was around Christmas time, and it was raining, and I remember looking out the window, and it was Christmas lights that were just like glistening off of the, um, off the rain that was dripping, you know? And it was this like scratchy like blanket that was, and I just felt safe. And I felt um, like everything was gonna be okay. And I knew that this was not normal. I knew that this is not normal, that I find relief when I come to these places. I know that it's not normal, that uh, you know, I'm not supposed to be a caged human. And, um, and that I, I'm not supposed to have friends in here, you know, like I would have friends. And, um, and I would just, you know, just to kill the time, right? Like I would just go to all the things just to, uh, you know, get out of my cell and get out of my bunk and whatever. And uh, the, the AA meetings, the NA meetings, um, all the religious meetings, you know, I'm not even any of those things. The Mormons come, they go over the loudspeaker, the Mormons are here. Okay, sure. The Catholics, sure. Why not? You know, the Christians, let's do it, you know. And, uh, and those poor people, I would like argue with them on every single point. You know, I'd be like, oh, please, like if this were to happen to your kid, tell me you wouldn't turn the other cheek. And equally, yo, oh, you're just so good. You just can't date people less than you and stuff like that. You know, and I'm just giving them a run for their money. And they're just coming in there to do some good, you know. And um, But there's such a stark contrast between the people that are inside and the people that come from the outside. You know, inside, um, we've got these smocks and these pants and whatever that are just like caked in with everybody's like yuck. And the laundry detergent that they use has no perfumes in there, so it's just like coming out and, you know, everybody's detoxing off of everything coming out of our pores, and, you know. And they give you this little deodorant that doesn't work, this little, like, yellow clear thing. And so I smell like onions, and, like, everybody else smells like onions. And uh, if you see my hair, my hair, like, needs conditioner. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I can't afford conditioner when I'm in jail. And so what that happens is they turn into these, like, rat nests, like, you know, marijuana nubs that are just like dangling from my scalp, you know? And so I'm miserable, and uh, everybody else is miserable, and these people that come in, you know, they would just like walk by you, and you could smell that they use gyre sheets on their clothes, you know? 
And um, and I and I also noticed this other thing about them too. It was like their eyes were smiling, you know. And I always looked at that as weird. Like there's something wrong with you. There's no reason to be that happy or have that stupid look on your face. You know, don't you know what's going on in the world? You know. And, um, and, you know, but there was like this small little like opening, this, this thing happened when I said, you know, maybe there's something to this God stuff, like just maybe, you know, and um, that was the tiny opening that would just swing wide open for me. Um, I'm leaving that facility and they said, hey, Carmela, should we save you a bed for next time? And I, I said probably the most honest thing that had ever come out of my mouth and I said, I don't know, I don't know. Because every single time that I had left there, I said all day on the gunness and meaning it with every fiber of my being, saying, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get away from those people. I'm certainly not going to get loaded again. And for someone like me, like, I have to be locked up. Like, it's only a matter of hours before I'm loaded again. And so I'm terrified. I'm terrified to leave there, and I'm terrified to stay there because this can't be my life, you know? And it was the thing that made me, force me to do something different. Um, I, my friend picked me up. We went to the, I went straight to the yellow pages, started calling up all of the rehabs. I knew, um, you know, I, the only way that I was going to be able to make it is to get locked up again in some certain fashion, you know. And I was calling all those people, and as I'm doing that, my friend's like, oh, you know, what about this place? It's for uh, homeless people, and it's a, you know, sober living environment. I'm like, no, do not help me with this. I have to do this on my own. And, um, and so I'm calling all these places, and they're asking me all the stupid questions, like, uh, you know, do you have money? Don't you have insurance? Don't you have anybody that, you know, a family that can help you? No. I, I'm down to nothing and nobody. There hasn't been anybody on that do not, you know, in case of emergency list for a long time. You know, and, uh, and so basically they told me I had to go down to systems care, went to do that. Uh, they sat me in this cubicle with this sheet of paper, two sides, all the phone numbers that I called the day before, same stupid questions. I get to the very last one, they say, no, sorry, we can't help you. And I slam down that phone and I storm out of there and I'm just like, okay, God, like what? What do you want from me, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and it wasn't moments later that I get a call. And it was from that place that I told my friend not to, not to, to, to uh, email. And um, and they said, hey, Katie, you know, we got a we got a bed open for you. Uh, can you come in today? And I'm going to tell you that uh, that's very much how God works in my life today. Is that um, you know He He lets me know that I'm not producing anything. Is that I, I take the actions over here, and He lets me know that like He's got me, you know. And um, and so I almost don't arrive to that place because you know the chaos that even ensues like when we get involved. My you know friend was drunk. We got in a wreck. We run from the scene and we're like you know I had to get somebody else to get me there. Anyway, I finally make it there. And mind you, okay, so I arrive on the scene, and this is a place where it's like straight up from homeless. It's people off the river, right? Like it's it's. Uh, people straight out of prison, you know, there's this prison stuff jumping off, there's this like untreated, un, you know, untreated alcoholism off the hook, unmedicated mental health like you've never seen before, like there was this dude that was putting everything upside down in, the, in a refrigerator, there was this girl that was like laughing at inappropriate times, dodging stuff that wasn't there, she's gorgeous, I don't even know what was going on, like, what, what kind of thing was going on there, you know, and, 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 and I'm standing there, okay, I'm standing there judging these people. <laughs> While I'm in some shower shoes and some, and some sweatpants with no drawstring, and somehow I'm just a little bit better than all of you guys. Because, you know, I could keep my crazy nice and tucked in, you know, because up here it was crazy town, but, you know, if you were to ask me how I was doing, it was good, fine, poker face, right? 
And, uh, and Debbie, I'm so glad that you're here tonight because, man, she was so influential. Steve, so influential. Victor, oh my gosh, incredible. These are the people that just fanned my flames, man. And I was just, uh, she she clothed me, man. She clothed me. I, I arrived with no clothes. She gave me all my clothes. So we're uh, going to all the meetings. And at any point, I'm ready to turn left. And we're jumping on light rails and buses and, and you know, walk to the speed walker, you know, and I was just drafting behind her. We're going to morning meetings and evening meetings. And, you know, I just thought that, like, if I could just get to that meeting, I might be okay. You know, and inside that meeting, I'm, like, you know, leaving every two times to get a, you know, a cigarette, you know, and I'm going to the coffee bar. I'm super busy. You know, and I can't hear anything. I'm having a meeting inside a meeting without even knowing that, you know, you guys are having a meeting. <laughs> And, um, and it wasn't until I went to this, this uh, place called Last Call, it was out in Roseville. And uh, it, was, uh, it was beautiful, right? You could smoke cigarettes in there. And uh, they turned out the lights, and so it was like, you can't see me, I can't see you, so it's okay to share. And uh, they don't call the meetings until the last person shares, and so I got, they got to my part, and uh, I started, <laughs> I like, just like threw up on the meeting, man. I just like unleashed the beast. I was like, I don't know, maybe I should do this, maybe I should do that. Like, I don't know, maybe I should go to work, or maybe I should, you know, I need to get a resume, and I haven't worked in 10 years, how can I possibly get a job, and maybe I should go back to school, but how can I possibly you know, afford a loan? And I don't know, maybe I should date him, but there's something about it that just isn't quite like, you right? I guess that could be the coffee, but then that could have given me like the big creamery, you know, and just, just like the crazy just came out, right? And I get to the end of it, and it's crickets. And I feel so stupid. I feel so stupid for letting it out, so stupid for letting them in. And um, I called my AA angel. He pulled me aside and says, Katie, it sounds to me like you have the mind of an alcoholic. And I thought back to like everywhere in there. I'm like, nowhere in there did I mention anything about alcoholic. What do you mean, mind of an alcoholic? What does that mean? He said he was going to a book study and where I like to go. I went to that book study and that's where it happened for me. I don't know if you guys had that experience with that book, but it was magic. It was magic. The person that was leading it was super enthusiastic. He had the sparkly eyes and the, like the you know poop-eating grin, and it was like there was a million dollars that was buried out in the backyard. He's about ready to show you the treasure hunt on how to you know the, the, the treasure map on how to get to it, you know. And uh, he uh, summed it up in a way of what um, you know what alcoholism looks like. Um, there's the restlessness, the irritable, and the discontent. That physically I'm restless, mentally I'm irritable, and spiritually I'm discontent. You know, my legs bouncing up and down in the meeting, and you know, it's hot in here, and this thing is too tight, and I just need to get the, out of here, you know, and I would get to the next place, and I just need to get out of here too, and then like I get to the next place, I'm like, where do you want to be? Anywhere but here, you know, and that was just how I ran. And, uh, and then the irritable is that I've got people around me that I really love and that I care about, but I just, I can't stand the way you breathe. Like, you breathe, you're at rest. Why are you breathing like that? You know, and that sound that your, you know, your jaw makes. Why does that have to do that? You know, and I just want to claw your eyes out. And I don't want to feel like that. I really don't. And so that's the safest place for you to be is away from me and me to be by myself. And me by myself goes to deep, dark depression, suicidal thoughts, right? And then the spiritual part is that it doesn't matter, you know, if it's uh, or the discontent is that like it's the dream job or the dream dude or the dream car is that I get those things and two weeks or two months later, yeah, that job with all of the zeros and the paycheck, I don't really want to go to that job anymore. Or it's the um, the dream dude that's turned into the nightmare man because that's what I do is when 12 and 12 talks about it that like I literally bring out the worst of people, my defects aggravate the defects of others. 
You know, and it doesn't matter what it is. Like, I think it's going to be this, and I get that, and it's just not that. You know, and what's the point, right? And then, uh, so it was, um, and then he, uh, you know, and all the stuff that I did, all the consequences, none of that stuff makes me an alcoholic. It only comes down to two things. And the way that he summed it up was, it, it, you know, absolutely, like, made sense to me, is that basically, I can't live without it, and I can't live with it. That's my experience. Physically, I can't live with it because of that physical allergy I put in. I ingest anything that's going to give me some ease and comfort, and my body demands more. That's just the way I metabolize it. That's just my story. That's I've crossed the line at some point. There's no going back. I think that is like internally, it feels like I'm going to die if I don't get more. Now that would be fine if I know that this substance gives me diarrhea. We'll stop taking the substance, right? Like you just, if you know that this is going to happen every single time, then just stop, right? And you hear people say that, well, just stop. Well, if I could stop, I would definitely freaking do it, right? I just want to like punch people that say that. If I could, I would. But it's the main problem centers in my mind. And that uh, the reason is because of this the obsession. And the definition of the obsession is that it's the persistent and reoccurring thought or idea that's more powerful than and does not respond to any reason. So running parallel with my sound reasoning and all my good reasons, the love of this person, the, uh, you know, the job I'm gonna lose, all of these great reasons is this thing that's gonna be more powerful and it's gonna win out every single time. I'm bringing fists to a pistol war. I will never win. The only solution for somebody like me is a power greater than myself. And Dr. Young talks about that. He says that, uh, you know, He's a scientific word. He says phenomena. There's people that have had phenomena happen. And basically he's saying that we're nothing short of a miracle. So in order to, uh, to recover from this thing, you have to have a miracle. And the only solution for that for us in here is those 12 steps. And so I, uh, I got around these really beautiful people, and they're all sitting around in this, in this row over here. And they made an alcoholic Congress look absolutely beautiful. It was very attractive. It's pretty sad when we got the cool kids, but in a, in a place of misfits, but they were the cool kids. And I just wanted to be around them. And you know, the only way that I could be a part of was to start to do what they did. And there was this very rigid and rigorous way of doing this thing. And it was all in or nothing. And uh, they were investing in me. And they were, you know, they were a bit, um, you know, they, they were investing in me with like, and not wanting anything out of me, you know? Like that was the first time I'd ever had that experience with men, you know? That they really wanted me to have my experience with God and they were gonna leave the newcomer alone. And um, and uh, they were at the school of thought that, you know, we go through those steps quickly. If I'm bleeding out, that I need to get a, you know, I need to get immediate first day. I don't need the slow boat to China. I need immediate first aid. And I don't care what your approach is, so long as it works. I know each of us have our own unique thing, but that's what I needed, is what I needed immediate relief. And um, and the experience that I had with going through those tests quickly is that, and thank God I did, is that I had the evidence. You know, I'm very scientific, so like, you know, if you call it outside variables, you can just reduce it in, in enough to enough like outside variables, and there's no other ex explanation. And uh, so there was no other explanation that happened in that short amount of time that I could attribute to anything else. I remember walking out of that thing you know, over at New Start at my SLE and looking out onto the sea of, you know, circus freaks yeah. <laughs> and thinking, wow, my life is seasons with such 
colorful people, you know? And I was like, these are my people. And like, you know, I really truly felt like I love these people. And the only time I had that experience was when I was like super loaded, right? Like, I love you guys. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from, you know? And then I'm walking around in Del Paso Heights and people are smiling and stuff like that. I was like, there's no reason to be smiling, you know? And what happened, in that short amount of time was that I, all of a sudden it wasn't just so hot. The world wasn't hostile. You know, I wasn't so hostile inside. And um, and I can't explain that any other way. And uh, we went through those amends, and some of them were really tough, and some of them uh, were really amazing. You know, they, uh, we took the evidence that was in that last column of the of the fists up, and I acknowledged those, um, those things. I said, this is where I was selfish. This is where I was inconsiderate. And, um, you know, what can I do to make it right? And I wasn't allowed to use that word sorry anymore because that doesn't mean anything. I've used it way too much, and I'm not allowed to use that word. And so we went around and did those things, and, you know, my sister, her sister was one of those ones that, like, it was just, she didn't want to have anything to do with me. It's only after my mom made her come and meet with us um, and, and allowed me to sit down and, and give my spiel, <laughs> you know, that, um, that it was three years later, three years later that she did that. And... Um, and she didn't want to hear anything that I had to say. I did. I ran through the deal, and she said, "Katie, I don't care. I don't like you. I don't love you. Just stay away from my kids." And I remember thinking and calling up my sponsor and saying, "Oh, you know, this when when a little alcohol doesn't get her way, right? She doesn't get liked, you know." And I'm like, "Oh, screw this, screw that, you know, whatever." And it's all out there. She says, "Katie, it doesn't matter. You did what you're supposed to do. Now show her." You know, she has this image of who you used to be. She hasn't seen you since then. She doesn't know that you're different, that you've had a spiritual experience, you know? And um, and I'm very pleased to say that um, by a series of crazy events, whenever I say crazy, that's uh, it's in reference to God, because I got a crazy God. A crazy God that's crazy in love with me, and I'm crazy in love with him. And uh, and by that turn of events, I am now the person on there do not, in case of emergency. Um, <laughs> Uh, list that's me, and um, so and I'm going to be taking a trip with them um, next week. So I'm going to be of service to her. So that's really cool. But she had to see that I was different, and it was a demonstration. And so and then all of a sudden we were at step 12, and I was like, whoa, 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 what do you mean I got to give this back to somebody else? Like I don't even know what we did. How can I possibly do that? Like, you know, if my sponsor was like, Katie, stop being so selfish and go stick your hand out and help somebody. And I was like, ooh, you know? <laughs> and this crazy thing that happens is that like, my ego starts to reassert itself. And I start questioning what my sponsor is saying. And somehow my case is different. Yeah, sure, that's fine for you. You get a check. I'm, I'm very ashamed of this. You can think thoughts, I think. You get a check every week. See, I'm out here at Mather. And I've got a year to get my stuff together. I need to get a house. I need to, I need to get a down payment. I need to get a job. I mean, you know, I haven't worked. I, this is my year. I got to get my job, you know, get a job here. And so I started just making that my mission. I went out to the computer lab and started filling out all the applications and filling them out very alcoholically. Like, if you, you know, if two applications is good, then let's do 20. You know, and then I began to like a tweaker, like for like hours, right? She's like, oh, and I'm like, follow right up, very self willed. Hey, can I get an interview, you know? And uh, every time that I'd be leaving there day in and day out, I'm running into Debbie. Oh, off to another interview. Off to another interview, and I was like, "How are you getting interview? I can't even get my foot in the door. You have more felonies than I do, you know." <laughs> and she said, "Katie, you put God in this program first, and everything else will work itself out." 
And you know, my sponsor had been telling me that in all different ways, you know, but when I heard it from her, and when I saw the demonstration from her, every time I was looking out there at Mather, there was a woman that was waiting to go in, or a woman that was waiting to, or that was just coming out. She was sponsoring lots of women, and, uh, and her life was getting good, you know? And so that's what I did, and I made that my mission. My sponsor said, you gotta be like the upside down Navy ninja sealed to the door before the newcomer leaves. And so I'm very overzealous, right? Like, here, you know, like, let's go to coffee, give me a sponsor, hey, you know, you right? Like, my life depended on it because it does. And, uh, and finally, a couple girls, you know, submitted. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like that, I got a job. And I don't know that that's how it works, but that's just another one of those examples where I do the work and I take care of God's kids and God takes care of me. He lets me know that I'm not producing any of it. And, uh, and it's been a beautiful, beautiful life. You know, nothing certainly that I could have ever possibly imagined. You know, when, in that book they said, um, you know, in the back of the book there's a story when they said, you know, like uh, one of the, the old timers like, said, don't date for another for a year, right? So I held to that. I took everything and was like, let's, I'm not going to take any chances with this stuff. So I waited my year and I, I started dating this guy. And uh, it was all the same red flags and the same things from the abusive stuff before, right? All that. Couldn't stay sober. Broke up with him. A couple weeks later, um, he hung himself out there in Nathan. And underlying this thing is a very grave, serious nature of it. When they said this is a fatal illness, it was so in front of my face. Thomas, who came in with us, he died in a car accident from being drunk. You know, my sponsor ended up going back out and, and dying. You know, um, they were, people were dropping left and right. My roommate from pancreatitis, you know, he cancer. Poor God, you know, leaf. God bless him. You know, and, and people were just, and it was very much, right, that like underlying this is this very grave seriousness of alcoholism. And thank God for that. You know, they were the soldiers that laid down their lives so that I might not mind. If I take the cautionary tale and apply it today. You know, um, the other thing that these uh, beautiful men taught me is that, like, you know, when people are in the hospital, that is that we show their show up. You know, um, that we demonstrate our love and that we do it with our actions. And um, you know, one of my friends, Jamie, had called me up and he said, you know, so and so is uh, Barbara Dawn is is you know in Roseville in the hospital and his, and his uh, daughter is in there. And do you want to go with me to visit her? And yeah, these are the things, the selfish, self-centered thoughts that go through my mind, and I say. Um, it's a little late. I gotta get up early in the morning, right? I got like things to do. Yeah, I definitely want to drive all the way out to Roseville and do this thing. But this is what these beautiful men taught me, and so yes, yes, I will, right? And so that's the thing that comes out of my mouth. And so I ended up taking Jamie over there, and we. Uh, before, what happened on our way there was that um, is that she had passed. His daughter passed away, and uh, when we arrived, um, they were just devastated. We took them out to dinner. Um, and I think that we're done, you know, being of service. <laughs> this is like literally, you know, I've only met this guy two times, so it's not like I'm super, you know, whatever, but like I'm being of service, right? We've done our dinner, and, um, and the wife is going away, and the son is going away, and, um, and John says to me, hey, Katie, will you come back to the hospital with me and walk my daughter down to the mortuary? And, you know, what's going on in my head, of course, is like, oh, heck no. How does a corpse in there? I am not going to do that, you know? But, of course, it comes out of my mouth that, of course, absolutely, I would love to do that. Her name is Katie. And, um, and what happened in that hospital room was just beautiful. 
it was like they're on sacred ground. You know, he was a he was a Bible guy, and he, we were reading in scriptures and stuff like that. And he was telling me stories about you know him growing up with his daughter, and you know all these kinds of things, and it was beautiful. And so we got a little hungry, and uh, we started to walk out um, to go get some peach rings and hot tamales. Don't ask me why I can remember these kinds of things. I don't know what we ate yesterday, but I remember it was hot tamales and peach rings. But we're gonna go out, we're gonna get some little snack and. When we're out there, uh, we run into this guy walking in the hallway. He's got shorts on. It's like 30 degrees outside, super cold. You know, John's a you know very talkative person. He's like, hey, dude, don't you know it's so you know freezing outside? And he said, yeah, I just got off work. You know, and he said, uh, I work in construction. And I work in construction. And so I'm like, oh, well, what company do you work for? And he said, well, it's a family business. We do cabinetry and carpentry and stuff like that. And um, I'm here to go visit my daughter and. Um, and I just worked for my dad. And uh, so we went off, we went and got our little, you know, peach rings and whatever, and then we came back into the room. And I kid you not, his daughter that had been dead for a very long time was smiling. And uh, he started, you know, John started like crying. He's just like, my baby is home, my baby is home, you know? And I got to be a part of that. And there's so many things that if I just, it says destruction of self-centeredness, and it's my actions. If I, you know, get out of self and I get into action, I get to have these beautiful experiences with God. And it doesn't matter what your conception of God is, no matter how limited it is. I've got, you know, sponsies that are that, that have hawks, and then, you know, I was like, red tail hawks, okay, sure. And then I started having experiences with hawks, you know, and, and you know, with Laura's son passing away, Gil and I had experience with with the hawks, you know, and then. And just the other day, it was skunks. I had three skunks, the spirit animals. I don't know what's wrong with these animals, but there's like some spiritual stuff going on here. I looked it up, and it was like spot on to what I had just done in my, in my inventory. You know, it was pretty cool. So God will speak to us in all these different ways. And it, so long as I'm in those actions, you know. And uh, I've come a long way. I've come a long, long way from the girl that I remember running out of Kaiser in my hospital gown, bolting down uh, Douglas Boulevard, outran a security guard after a 5150 hole, <laughs> and screaming at the top of my lungs, I just want to die. And just when I think about that, like I just, that girl was in so much pain. That girl had the, the self-loathing and the self-hate and all of that stuff, you know? has been used for good, transformed to help these other alcoholics. Because we know exactly how you feel, Lauren. If you've got that suffering, if you've got that self-loving, like, we get it, you know? And uh, I watched my parents go from, you know, <laughs> my dad crying. The only time I've seen my dad cry is twice. One, when his dad died, and the other time was he found the weed when I was in high school in my car. And it's just the disappointment in his eyes, you know? And I would lie to that man, look him straight in the eye, over and over again, and just rip his heart out. And I went, saw it go from that to absolute hate and disgust. Um, this one time, I thought it was a good idea to help my boyfriend uh, escape from Placer County Jail. <laughs> I also thought it was a good idea to bring him back. My mom's a real estate agent, so I thought it was a good idea to bring him back to one of her houses. 
And so it turned into this ordeal with like the helicopters and all that kind of stuff. And she came, you know, came down to the scene, and I'm in the back of the of the police car, and I will never forget that look on my mom's face. Absolute hate. And then fast forward many years later, because I'm a hard-headed alcoholic, like it takes a lot for me to get to that point to where there was absolutely nothing left. I had stolen the love completely out of their eyes, and they had done absolutely everything they could possibly do. You know, my parents had to find me after our suicide attempt, you know, just the things that we do to our parents. And I love that you guys are here. How beautiful. And I'm so sorry for what we have to do to people like you. Yeah. The people that we harm the most are the ones that we love the most. And the beautiful side is, is that like I get to be on this side of the story. And uh, just last year, I, uh, I met my husband. And these men over here demonstrated for me what that, I, that future ideal would be and what it would look like. And I got to, and they said that if I wanted, if I wanted those things, I would have to be those things. And it took quite a while for me to get there. And he adores me, and I love him so much too. And we got to have our parents at our wedding. They got to renew their vows, and they got to be a part of that whole thing. And um, he says that you know my parents just light up when they see me today. And um, and that's part of the Alcoholics Anonymous too, is that it's not just in these rooms. I had to build a very firm foundation in these rooms before I could even think about bringing an outside there. You guys taught me how to show up to work early, to leave late. You know, you showed me how to be of service, to put this thing on a service plane. You taught me how to have relationships in those business meetings, how to have tolerance, how to have acceptance. You know, you taught me all these things, whereas I could never possibly have held a relationship this long. I'm just deeply grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous, and I just want to say, you know, thank you, Victor, for the flame that you light in all of us, and for all of you that just keep on fanning our flames. Thank you for your service, Steve. And thank you, George. If you haven't been to the Jay Walker's meeting, I highly recommend it. We're there from uh, Friday to Monday, and it's just pure love and solid A. So I welcome to that meeting. Have a great conference. Thank you. <laughs>